This is the 61st episode of Stockholm Legacy Report, a podcast about paper legacy. My name is Victor Berners. With me are my dear co-hosts Robin Svensson and Christopher Wikström. Warm welcome to you, dear listener. Hello, hi, how do you do? Hello everybody, I hope you're doing well. Stockholm Legacy Report can be found every week on the Top Decked app. This episode we will fully devote ourselves to discuss our trip to Norrköping in Sweden the last weekend and the Invasion Games Tour Legacy 1K that we played on 10 September. We will go round by round and discuss what happened and why, as this will be a bit meaty because three players and six rounds. We are again postponing the basic land question we promised in last episode so yet again you will have to wait we're sorry but trust us we want this to be a proper discussion so uh, next episode hold on and stay strong for that but without further ado let's jump right in robin which deck did you play i played naya depths do you have a deck list for us for naya depths i do so the creature package one dryer arbor one sylvan safekeeper one Outland Liberator, one Endurance, and one Ravenup Excavator. Accompanied with four Elvish Reclaimers and four Knights of the Reliquary. Three Moxes, four Crop Rotations, four Green Sun Zenits, two Prismatic Endings, four Swords of Plowshares, two Sylvan Libraries, and one Means Boo. And then 27 Lands, Boyuka Bog. Two Dark Depths, two Flagstones, Forest, Caracas, Plains, Plateau, Double Savannah, Double Sergier Step, One Taiga, Triple Thespian Stage, Triple Wasteland, Four Windswept Heats, One Wooded Foothills, and Two Yavimaya Cradle of Growth. Sideboard, One Collector Oof, Two Endurances, Two Deafening Silence, One Pyroblast, and Two Red Elemental Blasts, Two Chokes, Two Force of Vigors, A Second Minskin Boo in the board, one Tower of the Magistrate, and in the Glacial Chasm slot, I instead played a Veil of Summer. So that was the deck. All right, we're going to get to you how you did in a couple of moments. But first, Christopher, your deck as well, please. What did you play? I played a 60-card Bugalaren. Big surprise. I played a pretty standard list. If you've seen a lot of these uh, Bugalaren decks popping up uh, from different from different places this is pretty similar to those so it's four brainstorm for ponder for force of will free abrupt decay one grist the hunger tide because i love me a grist and i think a lot of green sun decks tend to love them as well and with that of course free green suns in if four alluren two baleful strix four ice fan quattle free cavern harpy one leovold emissary of trest free uro titan of nature's wrath Two Endurance, one Acerorak, the Arc Lich. And then a pretty basic land sweep. Just two Tropical Island, two Underground Sea, one Bayou, one Dryad Arbor. Two Snow-Covered Forests, two Snow-Covered Islands, and one Snow-Covered Swamp. Four Misty Rainforest, four Polluted Delta, and two Verdant Catacombs. For the sideboard, I went super anti-Delver. That might have been a miss this weekend, but still a pretty solid sideboard plan. I always had something to bring in in every matchup that felt relevant. So four Carpet of Flowers, two Veil of Summer, one Collector Oof, one Seeds of Innocence, two Hydroblast, two Plague Engineer, and three Leyline of the Void. 
which was an MVP this weekend. We'll get into that. But tell us about your deck, Victor. Yeah, I decided to finally bring the Rector Nickfit deck that I've been working on for over a year to an actual big tournament. I only dared to bring this deck to FNM previously. Now I thought, no, it's time to, to bring this one to the big leagues. I sleeved up four Veteran Explorer, two Opposition Agent, three Academy Rector, three Arena Rector, one Grist the Hungertide, one Karn the Great Creator, one Ugin the Ineffable, one Ugin the Spirit Dragon. Three Source the Plushers, two Assassin's Trophy, one copy of Vanishing Verse, four copies of Cabal Therapy, two Prismatic Ending, three Living Wish, two Pernicious Deed, one Curse of Misfortunes, one Curse of Death's Hold, one Overwhelming Splendor. For Land Package, one Ancient Two, one Bayou, three Cavern of Souls, three Forest, two Phyrexian Tower, two Plains, one Savannah, one Scrubland, two Swamp, four Verdant Catacombs, four Windswept Heath. And in the sideboard, which of course is a bit of a wishboard, one Academy Rector, one Arena Rector, one Grist, four Veil of Summer, one Mycosynth Lattice, one Pernicious Deed, four Leyland of the Void, one Caracas, and one additional copy of Phyrexian Tower. It's beautiful. It is beautiful. This is um, sort of as close as I've gotten to sort of feel that I might be approaching sort of the final form of this list. But we'll get to that as well. I guess now, without any further ado, let's romp into round number one. Robin, what did you play against? So in uh, the match, the first match, I was facing off against Death and Taxes. In game one, I make land drops and we both deploy creatures. I, I get this read that they have some sort of removal. So I take like an extra turn to make sure that I have a reclaimer that can go for a Sujir step before I make Merit Leech. The read is correct. He has a solitude. I wait until he has, is tapped out so that he doesn't, he can't play a solitude and a plow and he has the solitude and I have the surgery step and I win the first game and in this matchup I board out the Moxes, the Bog and I bring in Collector Oof, Minsk and Boo number two, the Tower of the Magistrate to kill the germ that is attached to Batterskull or Kaldra and one of the Force of Vigors. and uh, like in game two I play this sort of false tempo style deck that I always threaten the combo. He has to leave up mana and I just beat him with the fair game plan. I think Minsk and Boo is the finisher for that game. So deck really doing what it's supposed to be doing and uh, like the D&T matchup feels super favorable. Yeah that is super cool like it, it's a deck that's both rocking Karaka, Swords to Plowshares and stuff like that and Solitudes which you know was really spooky for the depths deck back in the day but the green white slash naya depths is just a completely different grindy beast so it's super cool to hear what about you then christopher uh, yeah i was also playing against Stefan taxes in round one and you know you've been in a car for one and a half hour you got to the venue a bit a bit earlier just sitting chilling and the pairings comes up your opponent reveals yorian and you're thinking oh man finally i'm gonna Hopefully play against Stefan Taxes. And it is. But in game one, my deck just doesn't draw any action at all. So I just get Cauldrad super hard. It's one of those games when you're when you're just looking at your hand, you're like, man, this Cauldra is really gonna get me, isn't it? And it did. So I pick up a loss in game one, but then in game two, I just do the classic mini board, which is 
out with one ponder and Leovold and bring in two plague engineers and then I just show him why I think the matchup is good. It's it's not super close from there on. There's this moment where I do resolve an allure and my opponent has four cards in their hand. So I play my Cavern Harpy, return it to hand, and then before the bounce trigger resolves, I play a Quattel, where my opponent pitches, pitch evokes an Endurance, no, uh, Solitude. And I just play my Harpy again, and he plays a second <laughs> pitched Solitude, which was all of his cards. And I was like, that's fine, my Quattel is removed, and then I just played another Quattel from hand, and he was just demoralized. <laughs> you know, after that game one, uh, you're kind of scared, like, is this how my day is going to be? But then I just remembered who was, uh, like, who's the captain. So then I just killed him the other games. So what about you, Victor? Well, I faced off against Naya Depths. And in game one, not much of an issue here. Very few notes in the life total here. It goes like both of us like 20, 19, and then it stops. So that's, of course, a very quick 2020 coming at me with none of my exile removals coming to my hand. In game two, I think I already then make my play of the day. My opponent goes to crop rotation a flagstones of trocare and I flash in opposition agent. Uh, my opponent has gets slightly crestfallen uh, sort of look on his face and I ask him, do I get to search for two? Because Flagstones is a May trigger. Dirty boy. And opponent is... Yeah, yeah. Wow, you really... I, I'm, I'm, that got me. So I get a Savannah and a Wasteland on my turn. Waste his other land. And then just the opposition agent beatdowns. Until I also resolve Big Ugin. But then he scoops. Wow. Yeah, that was um, amazing. And also telling. We're going to get back to opposition agent. But then in game three, opponent deck is really working out well and resolves a very early Sylvan library that I can't get off the board. Opponent just, well, I'm going to draw three cards and I'm going to draw three more cards because there's no way I'm, I'm sort of pushing my opponent's life total with this deck. It's a very sort of either-or situation, meaning that they can easily draw four extra cards and just also look at extra cards all the time it is um i I do sort of attack them a bit but in the end it's just a a matter of time really i can't get anywhere from the card advantage and i lose one too on to round two then robin we saw you play against uh i would say quite spicy deck yeah super sweet deck and uh, this is an opponent that i have faced off against before and i think he's doing quite well with this deck i think he might have been in the top eight in gothcon yeah and the saturday was, tournament was, i think he definitely top eighted one of the gothcon tournaments with the same deck maybe he's got some upgrades but super sweet yeah so he basically plays like a legacy version of amulet titan with like the bounce lands and <laughs> emulet of Vigor and all of that. And I was not really sure what exact cards was in this deck. Of course I knew there were titans. Of course I knew there were some spicy lands. This was a pretty rough matchup. And like when playing against land based decks. It, it feels really good to have Knight of the Reliquary and Reclaimers in your deck obviously. You have a, a strong wasteland plan and all of that. But this was really tricky to play against. Because like the ta- titan is so overwhelming as soon as it comes down and he has a lot of fast mana ancient tombs and uh, and uh, the bounce lands so in game one he runs out explorations that i don't have prismatic ending for so he gets ahead on mana really quick and he lands a titan 
quite fast and uh, like I am just making a land drop each turn and when I am one turn away from starting trying to waste lock him because he doesn't r- run a lot of basics obviously he founds his own random ex- excavator and with uh, with an exploration in play he could just like waste two lands each turn and I'm just at zero permanence eventually and he scoops it up. And in game two, it's sort of the opposite that happens. I'm on the play this time and uh, I get to land quite an early night and I just start grabbing wastelands and just waste him down. And he finds a stop to this because he bogs me so that all my wastelands are in exile. Maybe this was a little bit of a mistake to just stupidly waste, waste, <laughs> I grab them. But uh, luckily for me, he, he's sort of stumbling on mana and I can just beat him down with the, with the creatures that I have. And then in game 3 is really interesting and quite a grindy game. We trade resources and the time is called. And like I'm beating him down with a knight. And I think he has like an endurance. We have this battle over a maze of it. He has Pithing Needle on my wasteland. And I have a liberator that can sort of destroy his Pithing Needle on wasteland. So I can kill his maze. But then he can waste me when I'm trying to make Merit Lage. So I'm trying to find a sequence for all of this. And it doesn't really work. I have the win in my hand, but I, I cannot uh, get over the finish line before the time is up. And we end up in the draw. And uh, I was also not really certain how to board in this matchup. I boarded into Force of Vigors because he beat me with Exploration in game one. So I knew I wanted to remove that. But I removed one of the Dark Depths and one of the Sejir Steps. And it was really crucial because I, I was searching for those lands <laughs> with my knight. And you're just like, oh no, they're not in the deck I, I was really missing them and i think maybe i should have brought out uh, bog or caracas or something like that instead but i wasn't really sure what was in his deck how much recursion does he have does he play loam does he have a marriage plan of his own i didn't really know but it ended up not really being a good sideboard plan after all yeah both me and victor was uh, spectating this and we were both like oh robin's got the kill now he's got the kill and then you're searching for your deck. I can't remember if it was with crop rotation or with knight or something. And you go through your deck and I was like, I didn't see a dark depth and I didn't see a step. I, I What's going on here? And you went through your deck three times. <laughs> yeah. And I was just like, oh man, so close. But yeah, it was a super grand yeah. deck and that, that deck looks so tricky to play against. It has so many weird lines, you know, play a bounce land to pick up like Boseju, who endures and just do a bunch of nasty stuff. But it's a super cool deck. And that, that game, it felt like you you were so close of closing it. But yeah, it happens. Yeah, some really cool synergies with the bounce lands. Like he was getting a, a Titan trigger and getting Boseju and a bounce land and bouncing the Boseju to his hand so that he could use it. So lots of nice little tricks going on there. Yeah, it's super it's really cool to see. Right, Christopher, what about your round two? So round two, I play against Merfolk, which is always a sweetheart to see. And I lose the die roll, and this is a recurring theme throughout the day. But my opponent goes Wasteland Vile, and I'm like, ah, oh, sweet, it's another different taxes opponent. So I just play a basic and ponder or something, can't remember. But then he goes, turn two, Wasteland number two hearse like unlicensed hearse and i'm i get this feeling in my gut that hearse is not a definite access card this is merfolk or goblins probably merfolk i played against 
this list uh, or a list close to this two weeks ago at the LGS. And from this moment on, my opponent doesn't play another land, but still beats the living crap out of me with the hearse and that vial. I think he plays another vial at some point, but you know, you have one island in play and it's all over. So that was pretty rough, but just like in game one against Death and Taxes, I lose quick and hard, so they have no idea what I'm on. Game two, I actually also managed to beat without showing the combo. So in this game, I just, you know, I board in another set of <laughs> Plague Engineers, and I board out some, I can't remember, like Cantrips maybe, maybe a Leovold, because it doesn't really do that much in that matchup. But I just beat him up with Uro, <laughs> which is beautiful. Sometimes you don't need that much. I think Grist and Uro close the game together like they're trying to do something meaningful like uh, get a get a merfolk into play and you just burn it up oh yeah i definitely boarded in seeds of innocence because uro is a really good game plan for me and i don't want them to hearse all of my graveyard away and also they play both vile and chalice a lot of times and uh, even though chalice isn't end of the world it's still a stinker when when they play it on turn two and you're sitting with two one mana spells in your hand it's it's not great but then in game three we do a little back and forth and they have a super heavy silvergill adept hand so they just keep on playing two ones and draw cards and i'm sitting on my side just trying to stay alive playing some baleful strixes they can't block because they get the lord into play and stuff like that but they're they are only at one lord at a time so they can't attack with their lord which is pretty good. But then I finally do resolve an Aluren and I win the counter war. So from this point on, I just play Harpy and Uro and draw a lot of cards. And my opponent's like, oh, I'm quite new to Legacy, so I, I haven't seen this. So uh, I would like to see like how you win. And I was like, sure. So I drew 40 cards, put both of my Plague Engineers into play and passed the turn. <laughs> That's evil. I also needed to endurance myself because the Acerarak was in the bottom 15 or something. So I needed to, you know, just... I, I could have done it like faster than that, but I was like, we're not in a hurry. Uh, you're super locked down right now with my double double engineer and there's really no escaping that if you're the merfolk either like even if you find like what's that what's that merfolk called uh, is it the trickster that removes abilities or something like that until end of turn i can't remember but even if they play that the trickster dies immediately and i can just harpy the uh, engineer back to hand and replay it instantly so it's right yeah it's it's over from that point but yeah a uh, solid 2-1 Getting beat up really hard in game one is my day so far. So what about you, Victor? Uh, in round two, I faced off a mono black pox Karn monstrosity. First game, guessably quite good for me. Sacrifice a creature. I'm like, okay, sure. <laughs> I'll sacrifice a creature. Thank you very much. That plan didn't really work out really well. In game two, I think is there is the best turn one of my entire day. My opponent goes swamp tap for black mana cast dark ritual i'm like okay turn one liliana of the veil not gonna be a huge problem opponents like cast second dark ritual five mana float okay play karn get liquid metal coating to my hand pass the turn i'm like shit <laughs> shit my god does he have the second land well i'm gonna have to play like he doesn't so i play land veteran explorer opponent goes land <laughs> liquid metal coating and i'm like 
I tried for a couple of turns to sort of, how do I do this? If I, no, um, if I, no, no, <laughs> no, no, not going to happen. Nope. Game three. <laughs> Eventually he resolves Mike's and Clatis as well and sort of, yeah, okay, whatever. But it was really over turn one. And then in game three, I basically get to do what I want to do and resolve big Ugin and opponent scoop on the ultimate trigger. Wow. So you didn't even get to resolve it? Man, that's cold. Yeah, so that's my round uh, two. Two one against... I never played against Mono Black Pox Karn, so that's Dark Ritual, Dark Ritual into Karn, uh, get um, liquid metal coating. It was stressful. three robin what happened all right so in round three i'm up against burn and this like this tournament was a part of a series of some sort where you compete for points in multiple different formats not nothing that i care a lot about as i only play legacy but uh, this guy was like in the top because he was playing a lot of modern and pioneer and whatnot so his uh, deck of choice in legacy was mon red burn I keep a hand that is sort of decent, but in this particular matchup it was not very good because it doesn't have fetches nor does it have a crop rotation. So I play like turn one reclaimer, uh, he bolts it, I play something, something, and then a knight as a 2-2, <laughs> he bolts it as well. And I never get to get any lands in my graveyard to buff my guys. And eventually I have uh, a lot of non-basic lands on my battlefield and he just popped me for 8 or 10 or something like that and I die and then we go to game 2 I board out Sylvan if I remember correctly and in with Force of Vigor for Eidolon and like the new enchantments that they are going for and in this game I managed to make a I can make a very fast Merit Lich but he is sort of representing dead gone all the time and since he's holding up 3 mana and not do, dealing any damage to me. I take my time and make sure that I have Reclaimer activation ready for a dead gone. And then I merge Lich him. So in game three, very interesting game. A lot of like micro decisions. My game plan is as a, f- a fast Merit Lich. And he has an Eidolon down. So I don't really care about that because I don't need to play any spells. I just need to make my Merit Lich. But like interesting micro decisions is that I have a fetch and a mox and he's playing chain lightning on me and I'm like I could fetch a tiger and bounce this chain lightning back to his eidolon without taking any damage would have been cool but that would have like made me one turn slower with the merit lage so I just go for merit lage as fast as possible the thing is I make a merit lage with one mana up four swords to plowshare in case he can go for lethal, I have a little bit of life gain. But he has not only the Eidolon, he also has a Roiling Vortex and one mana left to activate it. So, like, I'm just banking on he, he doesn't have lethal. But when I make Merit Lage, he can just kill me and I, I try to swords one of my guys. But he just activates the Roiling Vortex and prevents life gain. And I die with Merit Lage on the battlefield ready to attack. So 
a little bit of a pity. I don't think I could have played it differently, but that game was a lot of micro, many micro decisions, so it's hard to say. But of course, I don't really have a lot in the sideboard for this sort of matchup. I don't have any life game built into the deck. I don't have any counter magic. It's just the sorts of plowshares on my own guys that is a saving grace. So. And you don't have any shield. No copies of shield. Of course, no copies of shield, which is a pity, I must say. But I like facing off against Burn. It's a cool deck to have in the metagame. What about you, Christopher? I sit down and uh, we get deck checked. And uh, my opponent had revealed a Yorion. So I'm like, oh, we might be in for a long deck check. (laughs) Yeah, eventually they come back and we get the thumbs up. My opponent, like I said, is on Yorion. So somewhere in my head, I'm like, hell yeah, another Death and Taxes opponent. I'm not going to lose a single game this time. So we start playing, and the first thing that happens is that my opponent goes Ottawara, Vile. And I'm like, in a Yorion deck, this is Cephalid Breakfast or Esper Vile. And uh, I am very much correct. It is Cephalid Breakfast, which is a super cool deck. I would definitely want to try it out, but I'm a bit Tundra's short place the full playset and stuff like that but anyways our game one is a bit grindy and we're both trying to do a creature combo thing but cephalid breakfast even if they are an 80 card deck does have a faster potential kill and these later builds or well these builds that i've seen with the stoneford package can also get just Caldra and start the beatdowns. So it's kind of like the worst of two worlds to play against. But I do get comboed in game one, which is a bit rough. In game two, I'm boarding in my Veil of Summers because I've seen a lot of discard and uh, I know counter spells is their way to beat my combo. Uh, either that or s- their singleton, I think, Skyclave Apparition, which they can recruit her for if I'm going for the combo. They can do that for free. So I bring... Two Veil of Summer in, also two Plague Engineer, because Plague Engineer on Wizard stops all of their combo shenanigans uh, because it kills the Illusionist, which is how they mill themselves. And then also free Leyline of the Void. So in game in game two, I'm playing super conservatively. I have a very controlly hand, and all I need to do is draw some cards and eventually resolve Alluren. Which when it when it does resolve, I know that I get I have 15 looks with Cavern Harpy Ice Fang, but like yeah, I think six or eight cards down, I found I find Uro and my opponent scoops. And in game three, we have a real nail biter. So it's it's a extremely grindy game back and forth. I have a ley line in play. My opponent gets to Skyclave it. And, you know, we're just trying to not get comboed by the other player and we end up in a situation where i'm going super hard on beatdowns and my opponent's only real chance of winning is by comboing me and they have seen from cabal therapies and stuff like that that i'm sitting on an an abrupt decay which makes uh, just one setup of the combo not good enough because i can just in response to the second combo piece abrupt decay the the other one so we have this super back and forth while i'm also beating them down with free quattles and a free free illusion that i got so we're just bashing each other a bit and we end up in the situation where my opponent has solved 
they've managed to remove another ley line and they have one turn to kill me and I get two looks because I have a quattle in hand. So I get two looks at cards and all I need to do is find force of will and land, force of will or blue card and it's uh, and I'm pretty much set. I, I do draw my cards and it's force of will and endurance which is a bit of a bummer because endurance doesn't really do anything here and I can't force a will of fret. So my opponent actually just straight up jams their combo, looks in their sideboard to see that they didn't that they didn't board out the second cabal therapy in the deck. Then they proceed by milling themselves until they find cabal therapy, which they play and I know it's the game because even if I endurance them, they just get to put all their all their cards back in the deck and mill themselves again so they can still dread return and kill me. So my opponent wins. I needed a land or a blue card, but I didn't get there. And my opponent won the game with one life. So that was that was rough, but it was a super sweet game. Like really good games. We were both playing, you know, pretty optimally I would say. I we didn't make any big errors at all. So it was just like a super lean game cool so what about you victor how was your round three my round three was against bug Alurin, and thinking this is uh, perhaps not the best matchup for this deck but sort of here we go the first game i get smoked i think by just uros and everything and in the second game i get to smoke back with the overwhelming splendor which of course is difficult for Alluren to, to do anything about. And then in game three, my opponent is not on a lucky streak here. They mulligan to six and keep sort of go first go. And I go land uh, explorer. And they go draw pass. So I'm like, okay, they're sitting on one forest, basically. I am not going to sort of sacrifice my explorer here. So I just play a land and pass back. And they play a second forest and pass again. I play Cavern of Souls for human, pass, begin. Opponent goes like, rips a card, puts down a fetch, goes to fetch, and I play Opposition Agent. And they're like, oh man. And I get to take a duel, and uh, from there it's basically academic. I take no damage uh, this entire game. And I'm bringing this up, sort of fast-forwarding to this third game here, because this, again, illustrates to me how good Opposition Agent was basically all day. Uh, I, I think the, the card single-handedly won me at least three games over the course of this tournament. I also kept thinking, like, why isn't anyone playing this card? Because it's so powerful. And I'm guessing the answer is there is no real home for this card. Like, which deck wants to play a two in a black, three-two creature with flash? Well, Hullbreacher is a pretty popular creature that fits that description also. But it's, it's blue, and I think uh, it's it's easier to justify putting a, a super anti-brainstorm card in your deck. But I agree, like Opposition Agent, when it happens, it's such a haymaker. I'm leaning into maybe starting putting some in my sideboard, just for fun. I mean, it's a great anti-combo card, right? It's good against both Storm and Doomsday. Yeah, it kills Doomsday. <laughs> like, it straight up kills Doomsday. Like, I, I think the new iteration of elves, that is not really elves anymore. It's I think they call it Cradle Control or something like that. You know, with Fiend Art. Is it called Fiend? Fiend yeah, something I think like. Fiend Artisan yeah, or something like that. I think they are running Opposition Agent in that deck. 
Because my thinking is just that, I mean, of course, Hull Breacher is a core component of, of how you win the game. Whereas Opposition Agent doesn't win you the game on its own. It just sort of puts you in a very good position. And that's why I'm thinking it's difficult to build a deck around Opposition Agent. Because what if you face a deck that doesn't really do a lot of searching, for example? So, I mean, of course, that's the answer, I guess. But I'm just, like, waiting for this deck that comes around that plays black and has room for this card. Because, obviously, in Nickfit, it's great. I mean, I want the lands anyway, right? You know, I can take a Caldra as well, if, if, if that's an offer. But <laughs> it's uh, it was just... It was it was the best card in my deck, basically, for this tournament. And I wasn't expecting that. Yeah, maybe we can see some Dead Guy Ale decks that's rocking the Opposition Agent, because they're already trying to block the opponent from doing things. And, you know, I've been in a situation where my opponent resolved an Opposition Agent, and you look at your hand... And uh, you have two fetches there. So it's a pseudo double wasteland in that scenario, which is just terrible. Like even if they just straight up play it, the fact that you know that this effect is going to happen doesn't change the fact that it's brutal against how your hand is looking right now. Yeah, so on to round four then. Robin, what happened? All right, so in round four, I'm up against Bant and... I lead on a Reclaimer and uh, it flashes out the swords from a Tundra and I get to waste his Tundra and uh, he is on snow-covered forest, snow-covered island. And I I get this sort of read on him that he is in big trouble. He don't I don't think he has another sword. I don't think he has another white source. So I just go for a, a, as a quick combo as possible. And when I have Merit Lage ready to be presented on the battlefield he's just like playing an uro <laughs> and like just struggling to to get some sort of card draw so i realized that i made the, the right call and uh, I, he was telegraphing like that urgentness very very clearly so I, I could just roll with that and against this sort of fair grind matchups with a lot of removal and all of that i expect the games to go long i board out the moxus crop rotations can be a bit iffy against counter magic and bring in Red Elemental Blast, Minsk and Boo, and the Shokes. And in game two, as it usually comes to in this kind of matchups, I have like this haymaker hand. So when I'm at three mana and he is at three mana, I'm holding up an endurance. Because I think that maybe he has a force of uh, negation for my Shoke. When I don't do anything, he plays his Uro to get the land drop extra. That's a great time to play your endurance. You just shuffle it back. No force of will on that one. Interesting. So I tap up, just play the choke, no counter magic there. He takes his turn, like makes a land drop and has only like two non-island lands that do anything. And I play Minsk and Boo on my turn. And the game is over from that. So a murder were committed. <laughs> yeah, this is brutal. Yeah, man, wow. that sounds brutal. Yeah. With the hamster on top as well. Jesus. Yeah, it's a good planeswalker. It's one of those, he's already dead. <laughs> <laughs> when you choked man Minsk and Boo is such a good closer yeah wow I'm gonna get to that later so Christopher what did you play against in round 4 so we played the podcast host Mirror it's Victor versus your hero Christopher <laughs> no I'm just kidding actually Victor is the hero here because he's playing the spicier deck so I'm gonna give him that one. So I played against Rector Nickfit. This is a super fun. Uh, this is a super fun matchup. Like we've played it a 
a bit before. And like Victor said in his previous analysis, it's a pretty hard matchup for the Rector deck because you don't really want to ramp your learn opponent with your explorers because that can mean death, like sudden death, like literally. Also, you have to ramp into your wincons because else it's sudden death. So in our game one, uh, I think you won the die roll. I won every die roll of the day. Six straight die roll wins. I was amazing. He wins the die roll, and I think you had a veteran start. And, you know, I'm sitting there. I know what he's on. Like, we've talked about this. So I I just start by, you know, trop ponder, uh, trying to set up. And I'm not really sure what you did on on your turn two. Do you remember? Uh, I didn't do a lot. I, I attacked with the veteran explorer. Essentially, game one is over pretty quickly. I play yeah, a yeah, little yeah. less conservatively than I should have, and you just resolve the combo on turn three, I think. Yeah, so like, I'm I'm just turn one ponder to find my fourth land, uh, which I don't find, but I do find a green sun scene if instead. So on the next turn, I can just brainstorm and green sun for dried arbor, and then turn three combo you, <laughs> which is uh, rude to say the least. But how did you sideboard uh, for this match, Victor? How did I sideboard for this match? I don't think I sideboarded a lot, really. I did bring in some copies of Veil of Summer. I think three copies. But that's basically it. I mean, all of my removal for Aluren and your creatures are in the main deck. And it's a pretty diverse removal suite. And I'm just going to have to sort of try and lean on that to, to get me to disrupt you and then have my own combo going. Whereas, of course, the, the number one and two plan here is to get uh, Overwhelming Splendor into play. I think I think you also might have boarded in another Pernicious Deed because we I saw a lot of those in game game two. No, but it might have been just the two that you played. Yeah, you uh, on the I, other hand, what did you board in? <laughs> yeah, I I boarded in two Veil of Summer and three Leyline of the Void. You know, uh, Leyline can be pretty good in a matchup like this. You know, I keep my seven, you mull to six. I think. Opposite, actually. I keep a 7, you multi 6. Oh, yeah. But I have a pregame effect, and it's a good one. So I have it in play, and we just, you know, we're playing some value things. You put an opposition agent into play at one point, but uh, only as a clock, not yep. in response to anything, because, like, I'm really playing around opposition agent. And it's one of those easy ways to lose a game like we talked about and yeah. so it's i just need to make sure to make my land drops uh, which i i make many because i start doing uro shenanigans and yeah. uh, a lot of your game plan is really blocked by my ley line which you eventually get to assassin's trophy so i, I grab myself a, a sweet basic and take my turn and just play another one from hand uh, while also escaping uro it's beautiful like it's the the plan is coming together but uh, you you resolve a pernicious deed i do and, and this is uh, this is a standoff which is yeah. pretty scary because now he can blow up everything in play my uro his own opposition agent but most importantly my quattro no I'm just kidding no my leyline of the void and you proceed to do that and then i think you cabal therapy me without without me having any creatures in play. Or you might have had an, an explorer, but I force will the flashback because I need to protect my 
thirdly line that I have in my hand, which you see now. <laughs> and this is where the where the life is starting to seep out of Victor. Yes. And I resolve a third ley line of the void. And I'm doing the smallest beatdown ever with one quattro. Yes. Because I'm I'm one card in my graveyard too short of escaping Uro. So I'm just doing the one beats. But we end up in a situation where Victor finds mana to play a deed. Yeah, second again. deed. And his lands at this point is a basic forest, a verdant catacombs, and an ancient tomb. And he is at free life. So I'm staring at him straight into his soul. I pause for a minute, and then I just sling my abrupt decay right at his deed, because he can't crack it for four. So he has to, if he wants to crack it, crack it for two. But the important thing here is that if he cracks it for two, he stops my clock, which is the quattle, but it, I will unlock Uro. And if he doesn't do it, his deed is just gone, and it's still a really bad clock for him because he he's yeah he's at free life so he just shakes my hand and it's uh, it felt really good winning the game with abrupt decaying a deed sweet sweet super weird uh, but also like the whole game you feel so behind as as the nick fit deck there, there is literally nothing i can do if you resolve a third ley line it's just like <laughs> come on like, yeah. I've destroyed two of them. I, I thought, sort of, this is heroic. Look at my coming back now. Splendor coming up. And it's like, nah, I have another one. It's just yeah, like, oh, yeah. man, what the fuck? They're never ready for the third ley line. No, I was not. I was not. Uh, and I have sort of won other games by fighting through, sort of, you know, two copies of ley line. I felt proud of myself. Like, look what I did. But, alas, not enough in this game. So I lost 0-2 to Bug Allurin. to round five robin can we take a moment and appreciate that we all are playing a veil of summer in the sideboard like a card that is sort of counted out no one is really playing it anymore i love veil. we are we are playing it all the three of us it's the bad green reb but when it's good it's so much better yeah, I actually was a bit disappointed with my copies of the card f- for this day, but I think that basically speaks more to the fact that I didn't really play against any decks where it would have been really good, except in perhaps the last round, but not really. We'll get to that. But first, let's go through round five. Robin. Short recap on the standings. I am 2-1-1 one, one at this point. And I think to be in some, some sort of contention, I need to win all of the games from here on. I face off against my uh, one of my favorite decks, 8-cost. And in game one, he draws a lot of cards. And I am on a quick Merit Lage plan. But like among all of those cards that he draw, one of them is a Pithing Needle. <laughs> and that Pithing Needle, I don't find an answer for it. So I can't make Merit Lage. And he just overwhelms me. So that game is quite fast. And then in the sideboard, I have 
quite a lot of cards to bring in. I have the tower that can push Merit Lage through the Thopters. I have two Force Vigors. I can bring in the Collector Oof to shut down. So I think I have a lot of cards. I don't really have the like super haymakers of Meltdown, but Collector Oof is close enough, I think. And also bring in the Red Blast, obviously, to, to fight his blue creatures. And the second game is a little bit back and forth. I uh, Force Vigor some of his constructs, try to keep him off mana, but he keeps like climbing back. And like I think a mull to six and a force of vigor is sort of a mull, another mull because you have to pitch a card. And uh, I sort of get behind on the on the card race. And I also board out some of the card advantage cards because I think of this matchup as a fast matchup, but it can also be quite grindy. So I think I brought out the Sylvans and Minsk and Boo. I don't really have anything to do except for the Merit Lage plan. And, uh, well, I just fall behind and he runs me over with the constructs. And I think he resolves a Kappa as well. I get pretty much beat up by uh, 8 cast in 2 games. Oh, yeah, he has a, a Force of Negation on my Green Sun that should have gotten a Collector Roof. Which maybe would have clawed me back into that game, but... Yeah, it, it's a tough deck to beat when you don't have like the super haymaker in Seed of Innocence or, or Meltdown. Yeah, that's that's rough. And uh, we have seen that matchup, but from the other perspective quite a bit. And it, it feels pretty even somehow. Like both players can just get ahead really hard. And it's for the Naya Adepts to be the control deck there. And when they get their grip, it's just really hard to get out of it. Yeah. What about you, Christopher? So uh, the recap here is that I'm at 4-1. And this is a six-round tournament. So I need to win this to uh, be in the top eight. I'm sitting down and uh, I lose the die roll again. But the person that I'm playing against is one of the people that I've heard about or one of the type of players that I've heard about a lot in Norshaping, which where we play that, which is the Burn Mafia. And uh, I'm playing against a turn one Swift Spear, uh, which is spooky. <laughs> you know, uh, I do play, uh, I think, a turn two Quattle just to make a blocker to absorb damage. I don't, I don't need to trade because I'm sitting on Uro. In my hand. So game one, like I just take a lot of damage, but Uro just claws me back in. You know, I, I get to play it, I get to escape it, I get into this situation where I just green sun for free and get another one just to get the trigger and keep the one that is escaped. And you know, I just gain a lot of life, and uh, that's that. In game two, I get smushed by the one of the faster burn hands I've seen in a long time. And one of those cards, uh, one of those newer cards uh, for the deck, I think it's uh, the, what is it? Roiling Turmoil or something like that. Roiling Vortex. Vortex. Like it's pretty much if an opponent, if either opponent, I think it's opponent, plays a card and does not pay mana to cast it. It deals five damage to that player. So it's pretty bad for my force of wills and my combo to try and go for something like that. So I, I, I force it in game two, but you know, my opponent is just one drop, one drop, like lava spike you and just beating me down super hard. So I, I die pretty fast there. And then in game three, I keep a, a free land hand with double force endurance and abrupt decay so i'm just like i'm gonna play the play a control role 
my next five draw steps are four lands and then eventually another endurance. Oh. And if you've played against Burn, you know that this is not a, a winning a winning strategy. So I do unfortunately get burned out. It's it's really even though. Like the second endurance that I played, I started, you know, I, I got to play it into an attacking Eidolon and I started bringing the beats. And the, the turn that I died, I would have been really close to just killing him with two endurances. But, you know, I, maybe I should mull more aggressively towards Uro because Uro is just so hard for them to beat. But uh, yeah, I pick up a, a, another loss here. So I'm at four, no, uh, free two. So what about you, Victor? Round five, I play against my nemesis of this day, uh, Nyadepts again. And the games are, if not copies of my first round match, pretty down close. Like in game one, I get Marit Laged really quick. I, I blink and I've lost the game, uh, as, as it sometimes happens, even though I won the die roll again, of course. Second game, I get to do opposition agent shenanigans again. And that brings me... Well, I get to wasteland them, sort of, and that helps me go all the way to uh, quickly manage to put Overwhelming Splendor into play, which, of course, is also quite good here. And then in game three, we have... It's my best game of the day, I think. It's wonderful. We go on a bit back and forth. He has a very aggressive start, and I sort of... I have a tapped forest and an untapped swamp on his turn three when he sort of sits. Do I make main face Marit Lage in order to protect myself from Assassin's Trophy that I know that, that he knows that I play a lot. And he decides on doing it. And in my hand I have a fetch and I have a card he hasn't seen out of my deck yet, which is Prismatic Ending. So I get to untap, fetch, Prismatic Ending the uh, the Marit Lage. And he's like, oh no, wow. And he has no cards in hand basically. I think he has like uh, he has one sort of unimportant unknown card in hand but he has a sylvan that he resolved sort of turn one so he's been digging quite a bit so he and he's at three life at this point so he sort of goes to take his turn draws and just puts Minsk and Boo into play and goes for it and he has a 10-10 knight at that so sort of my plan was to shump the big knight um, and just sort of reset the game and, and take turn the tide from there but instead I get to sort of take a lot of damage and just pray to to the seven hells that I'm gonna draw something sort of useful on from on top of my deck but I'm sitting at three mana I have no more lands in hand there isn't really much that can save me and I can I sort of I play a shump blocker just because but he just flings the knight at me and wow it was such a turnaround because I felt so good prismatic ending that Merit Lage main phase and I felt so terrible <laughs> when he sort of just puts the Minsk and Boo on the battlefield and just swings the game again it was um, it was something and uh, Minsk and Boo feels like a good card yeah you can say that again it's making waves oh, yeah, I'm, I'm guessing we're going to have to say that again so <laughs> buckle up I mean going home I'm like from this tournament I'm like perhaps I should just play Minsk and Boo in my Rector Nickfit then of course I, I revert to realizing that what I actually should play if everyone goes to play Minsk and Boo is that I should play the Elder spell again in this in this deck but that's for another day to, to talk about like the the minus on Minsk and Boo have enormous synergy with your entire deck right yeah yeah it does 
Yeah, I'm just going to throw this old lady at you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Go for dice, old lady. <laughs> oh, oh, my God. I think if, if you wanted to play a four-color uh, Nick Fit Rector with Minsk and Boo, you should go sort of, I think, only all in on the Planeswalker plan, like Arena Rector Nick Fit, because I don't think you can fit Minsk and Boo into, into the deck otherwise. It's just too much. But... I mean, sounds reasonable. It sounds reasonable. It sounds interesting. You can you can put in uh, that old tech that uh, you know punishing Nickfit used to have in uh, Grove of the Burnwillows and Punishing Fire, and then you can keep their Minsk and Boo at bay because they'll be like, "I'll make a one-one hamster." You're like, "Sure, I'll plus." You're like, "I'm gonna Punishing Fire it," and they're just gonna get to f- fling it a bit for one. Like the hamster is really easy to control with just the Caracas as well. Or a Plague Engineer. Or a Plague Engineer. Or a Static Caster. Well then, on to round six. Robin, what happened? I'm up against a mono-black Helm of Obedience combo deck. Pretty cool. In game one, he starts with a Dark Ritual, a Thoughtseize, and a Hymn to Torek. Interestingly, he, when he Thoughtseizes me, he looks at my hand and takes my Mox. Oh, baby. So maybe he's scared of me making something very speedy, but like against the discard deck, I'm not really sure if I play the mocks anyway. I want all the cards I can have. So we trade a lot of resources. He has a, his, his deck is like packed with discard, but obviously my top decks are a little bit better and I end up winning game one, I think with the Merit Lage, but it can be also just like a beatdown. I board out the boxes, one of the Sergei steps, and bring in uh, the Veil of Summer for all the discard. The Means Can Boo and two Endurances. I just want better top decks, basically. I want things that do something <laughs> when I draw them. And I have a little bit of a s- slow start and actually run into our favorite uh, opposition agent on turn three, where I crack a fetch and he's like... Tap three lands, opposition agent. Oh no. But from there, I actually managed to take the W, even though I think the opposition agent is in play for most of that game. Like, my guys are just bigger, even endurance is bigger than opposition agent, and I just beat down with what I have, and he doesn't find his combo. So, uh, pretty fast games 2 0. Oh, that's nice. Man, opposition agent. What about you, Christopher? last round did you get any redemption yeah i did get some redemption i'm sitting down against an opponent we're both you know trying to get into top 16 because you get some some prizes some store credit and i'm just thinking like i don't super care about the store credit but i'm i came to game as a famous Twitter handle is. Uh, so I'm just gonna see see where my da- day ends at. And I finally win the die roll, ladies and gentlemen. It's against another of those burns, burn players we talked about. But here the dynamic is completely different because I keep a hand that's kind of medium. Like I have one Luren, two Abrupt Decay, and you know, not really that much going on, like a cantrip and something like that. I think I go for a turn one Green Sun to get the Dryad Arbor, and he bolts it. And I'm like, basic mountain, bolt, arbor. This is burn again. So we're just playing 
a game and you know i'm not putting that many creatures into play i'm just abrupt decaying the best threats he has while just sitting there trying to buy time a couple of turns later i'm sitting there and my hand is literally brist free allurin and force a will <laughs> so I'm, I'm just drawing all of the allurance i'm playing grist and plus and i mill uh, whatever card it's not super important pass the turn my opponent plays second swift spear bolt face and attack me and i just shump with a one one and i'm sitting there thinking how did it get so bad I draw a card for the turn, and it's the fourth Aluren, ladies and gentlemen. And I'm thinking, man, this is... Uh, I'm gonna lose this way. It's it, This is super bad. I plus my Grist. What have we talked about? Always get your Grist rips, reps in, ladies and gentlemen. I mill the Uro. I escape the Uro. And I win the game from there. <laughs> like it's, Yeah. It's mm. just super over. My opponent's just... Man, I can't believe this is happening. And with a card that I drew for the turn with Uro, a green sun. So next turn, I get to smack a Roo in the face, gain more life, green sun for another Uro just to gain free more life. And it's just, you know, it's over. And game two is kind of a non-game. My opponent molds to five and goes turn one, swift spear, go. I just play a cantrip. And they play uh, turn two, Eidolon, and I'm like, he's super down on cards, I can just force this. So I do that, and then I play a Strix, and from this moment on, my opponent plays two more spells, and uh, before I resolve my Luren. And then, when everything is said and done, he reveals the last two cards in his hand, which was two more basic mountains. So eventually, you know, the red variants with no cantrips can't catch up on you. But that, that was a, it was a pretty... Oh, hard thing to see in in you know the last round of the tournament you know mulling to five and then just drawing a lot of lands but uh hey i got the store credit i'm not gonna complain uh, missed top eight but that was certain from the round before so uh we cashed out the store credit and played a mini game in the car where i just opened free modern horizon 2 boosters and i try to explain or describe the cards as badly as i can while the other people in the card uh, car guess what the card is. Did some really good pulls from my free boosters, like special art fury. So I'm not I'm not complaining. That was really cool to rip one of those. I need like a playset for painter, and I'm like I'm a poor student, so I'm not gonna get them. And now I'm now I got ones. So I only need to come top sixteen at three more tournaments, and then we're in there, baby. Yeah, but now you need, like, to buy special arts for the other three, so maybe you actually lost money on this. Nah, I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll just rip them. Don't worry. So, last round, Victor. Yeah, I go and play against one of my old favorite modern decks, Merfolk, which is uh, a player who sort of has ported his Merfolk from modern to legacy. And um, I lose the first game because I get overrun by Merfolk. And then I win the second game by first attaching Curse of Misfortunes and then sort of slowly revealing how this deck works against a creature deck. So first I get Overwhelming Splendor and he's like, oh wow, it's going to take me longer to win now. I'm like, yeah, stick with me. My story gets better. <laughs> this is Curse of Death Hole. And he's like, oh, right. I'm not going to... Be- okay, let's go to game three. And then in game three, round six, I-, I have a seven that's sort of extremely questionable. It's four lands one of them being Ferguson tower importantly veteran explorer cabal therapy and ugin and i'm like okay 
with this hand there is a way in which in where I can there is a world in where I can resolve hard cast turn six Ugin. It's unlikely to come to fruition, but if if not now, when? So I keep this seven. Uh, unfortunately, my opponent has a pretty aggressive uh, and and sort of this snowbally hand with sort of multiple, I think three copies of uh, Silver Gila Adept and sort of just puts things down there. So I go very defensive. I use all my removal. I use I draw Veil of Summers, which I was like, yes, I'm going to use these to sort of protect my Ugin, but I have to use them sort of a lot more proactively sort of to stop him countering things that I just need to do to stay in the game. And eventually I get to a round where I can sack my veteran explorer to my Frixen tower to get sort of an extra boost of mana for that turn get more lands resolve the ugin and he has his third force that he plays for the game in in his hand so i don't get to play with ugin and he swings back for massive lethal uh, on the next turn and that was fun and i felt sort of of course i played super suboptimally in that game but Again, if not then, when? That's how I ended my tournament. I mean, it's round six. You gotta dream yeah. big. Ended on a high note. And that was our tournament. So none of us made top eight, unfortunately. In the top eight, we found two copies of Jeskai Control, one copies of Lands, a copy of Burn, one sort of aggro means Stompy, Joker Hopes creation, one copy of Eight Cost, one Four Color Control, and one Naya Depths. And I think that... I mean, the breakout card for us from this tournament, I guess, is really Minsk and Boo, in my, in my view. Yeah, like four of the decks in the top eight played it. Like uh, the green-red lands, that was actually Andreas the Hope Deltar that rocked that deck. And he was playing a deck that could push out an early Minsk. And that was also true for the aggro Minsk version, which was extremely streamlined to play that. So yeah, it def- definitely Minsk and Boo is just an all-star this weekend. And it's super fun to see a new card get played that much because it's one of those cards that I, on first glance, thought maybe it's not good enough. But now I know that it's good enough for sure. It's super strong. Yeah, and it was like an interesting meta game as a whole. We, we have talked about Naya Depths a lot. It was quite a prevalent deck. And also Burn was quite prevalent, as it is sometimes in Paper Magic. But did we count the number of Delver players in the room? I think it was one. <laughs> That's sick. With all of these um, Depths players and stuff that we saw, I'm not sure, like, they, they probably got their ass handed to them quite early in the tournament and then maybe yeeted out or were just at the lower tables and that my friends is all we have for this week of course huge shout out ghost invasion games for doing a lot of hard work to keep the paper play fire burning extra hussar for believing in paper legacy if you have an opportunity do give your support to this store and their tournaments and also a big shout out to us because we have been uh, awarded a Swedish Magic Awards for Creator of the Year, which, uh, of course, is uh, super fantastic and very humbling. Content baby. (laughs) Yeah. Also, Oli at Invasion Games has also been awarded for the enthusiast, you could say, uh, or the fire spirit, uh, as you say in Swedish, uh, of the year. Fire Fire soul. soul. And on top of that, one of the judges... Uh, was uh, given the uh, year's li- this year's Lifetime Achievement Award and for keeping the legacy scene very much alive in Stockholm in paper of many years, Mr. 
Fiskas, Christopher Levendahl. So huge shout out to all of us. And if you want to see everyone, there is a picture on our Twitter feed where we pose extremely cool. Uh, all of yeah, us. but like by random accident, all five of the winners, like this award is spread out in, in all of Sweden. And by f- like freakish accident, all five of us was in the same room this Saturday. So that was cool. If you like this podcast, do suggest to a friend to check it out. And if you have feedback or want to give ideas, you are very much welcome to join our Discord to do so. You can find a link in this episode description. And in addition to the Discord, you can hit us up on Twitter at Legacy. We are also personally present on some social media. Robin, where can our listeners find you? You can find me at Twitter at Jackaboo. Uh, so that's Jacka underscore Boo. And I'm at MonolithMTG on Twitter. And I'm on Twitter under Disco Drogo. And that concludes the 61st episode of Stockholm Legacy Report. Thank you, Robinson Sien and Christopher Wikström. Warm thanks to you for listening to all this way to the end. The Great Furnace has, as always, written our music. You can find more of their work on Spotify. And until our next episode, stay safe and stay sane.